Yo, this is Tim from Under Oath, and you're listening to Spinning Thoughts and my interview on Adobe Radio. Thanks for listening. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 131. Oh, geez, of spinning thoughts. This is Angelo coming at you, and I'm very grateful, as always, uh, for those who are staying up nice and late for the midnight premiere on Adobe Radio. Every single Thursday at midnight Eastern, we premiere episodes, and then they drop on every platform the following Monday. So subscribe to your favorite platform and uh, we'll, we'll love you even more for it. Now, we're, we're all the way up into episode 131. And this number, 131, means nothing. It means nothing to me, except it will mean something to me after today. And here is why. I am just super elated, super elated to introduce to you my guest for episode 131. Everyone, welcome. I've got Tim from Under Oath. Tim, what up, dude? Yo, dog. What up? Thanks for having me on the show. Woo! Appreciate it, dude. I gotta tell you, this is a highlight for me. I'm a big fan. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, we uh, well, for a big fan, we just released our first record in eight years, so uh, <laughs> hopefully we're mutually beneficial right now, right? The first of the year makes it sound like there could be another in 2018. Are we that ambitious? Oh, man, no. <laughs> no, we're good. Are you this sure? This took enough out of us to uh, pacify us for a while, for sure. Uh, dude, and I'll tell you what, uh, it that album, we're, we're about to talk about it, Erase Me, uh, that has given me and I'm sure every other fan enough to, to really um, chew on for a very long time. So congrats, man, on a very, very awesome record. Dude, thanks, man. Yeah, we're super, super stoked. Yeah, absolutely. Now, so we're talking about uh, Under Oath's latest album dropped on April the 6th. Highly, crazy, highly anticipated record after a healthy hiatus uh, that has taken the music community by storm. The album's called Erase Me. It houses uh, tracks that will satisfy the longtime fan while at the same time embracing the next generation. Uh, The band is really everywhere right now, and this album has been the catalyst. Now, Tim, I know you know this timeline, but uh, Under Oath's last album was released in 2010. In 2012, it was announced that Under Oath would be disbanding uh, after an epic farewell tour in 2013. In 2015, the uh, Under Oath confirmed getting things back together, and now the band is seriously back 
and some would say more powerful than ever. Uh, Tim, how does it feel to finally have a race meet out for everyone to hear and enjoy? Oh, man. Uh, what a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, a decade in the making. I mean, yeah, we this is our first record in eight years. Um, it's our first record with Aaron in 10 years. And yeah. it's just been a it's been a lot, man. I'll be honest. Uh, you know, we went through who are we? What is this? What are we? What is the scene now? Um, there was a lot of psychology and a lot of, you know, just overall talking down off ledges, so to speak, yeah. to get us to where we are. But, you know, we couldn't be happier with where everything ended up by far, for sure. It's incredible to watch the evolution of the band just like from like literally the beginning. I mean, this band has been around for a long ass time and, uh, you know, it's just been incredible to watch it grow and then to be a part of it like this in 2018. I mean, Under Oath is just making big waves right now and it's so cool. Before we dive like super deep into Erase Me, which obviously we're going to, you know, I, I got to just wonder like building back up into Erase Me. I mean, what was it like in the downtime? for under oath i mean obviously you were busy doing other things and we'll talk about some of those other things later but just what was it sure. like without it um i mean i think all of our lives kind of normalized to be honest yeah. I mean, at the end of the day everyone in the band had their own families their own uh you know jobs their own identity outside i think a few guys didn't but at the end of the day, like they kind of, I, I don't know what to say, like satisfied that need with other opportunities and kept doing other things in the same space. And I think at the end of the day, like, you know, the biggest thing that we all know about our band and our, you know, ourselves is, you know, we do what we do and if it doesn't feel right, we don't do it. And so you know, when it didn't feel right, we stopped doing it and everyone kind of found other things to kind of plug those holes, whether it be time, um, jobs, uh, occupation, other things. So, you know, at the end of the day, like, I don't think that we, any of us really understood the severity of it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you know, Obviously, there was the downtime, and that's it's done and over with, and, and the band is back. And I mean, when I say back, like, damn, it feels like really in an amazing way. So uh, what was the timeline for Erase Me? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you know, I understand the band really started recording the album in 2017. But I mean, can you pinpoint a time frame of where the ideas of this album really kind of started? I mean, yeah. I mean, there was, you know, we got back together in, what was it, 2014. Um, we did the Rebirth Tour. Right. And that was really, really successful. And, you know, we kind of felt like we were just coming back for like five weeks and we're going to celebrate our old records and have fun again. And it was almost like a kind of like a high school reunion, right? It's yeah. like we did all this stuff people care let's go back like give everyone what they wish they had when we broke up which at the time was like 12 shows we're gonna go bing 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 boom, boom. five weeks later we're gonna go home we're all gonna go back to our jobs and then the tour really like took an abstract life of its own 
And the tour was just insane. And not just ticket sales, but like the reaction and like the gratitude. And like, I feel like a lot of the fans really came out, obviously. Um, but really like re-cemented the idea that like Under Oath is not something that was necessary, but is still necessary. And I think that's really what kind of like tipped our, you know, pendulum in a way, right? And so we're on the tour, everyone sees the numbers, of course, all the agents, all the labels, all yeah. the other bands are like, yo, let's get these guys out. And like, we had an offer, we said no. I mean, we were literally on a March, April tour and we were getting offers for tours in the, in June. And we're like, no, like, <laughs> we're not doing that. We said no. Then we said, got another big offer. We said, no, got another big offer. And we ended up saying no, but that third offer was really interesting. And it was like kind of the tipping point where we realized like we can't stop just acting like this thing isn't really a thing anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Dude, I feel I mean, hey, seriously, I will speak for myself, obviously, and for, you know, the friends that I have and the just the general music community since I am uh, involved in it to an extent. We we missed you, dude. We missed you in Under Oath. It's so goddamn good to have you back. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, a large part of each and every one of us in different ways missed you guys, too. I mean, we missed, like, this idea of, like, we're we're a band and we play and we write records and we talk to people about it and we're excited to play in front of people. We're excited to like, you know, push an album and see what happens. And if it doesn't do well, that's fine. And if it does, that, that'd be amazing. Yeah. And like all the, the shit in between. Right. So it's like, we're, we're very much open-handed with how we view our band now. And I think that's really, really interesting because now we feel a little bit of freedom to like write the records we want to write tour the way we want to tour say no to the things we want to say no to where before it was just grind 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 tour 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 right 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 and now if it doesn't feel good we just don't do it yeah yeah and you've uh you've earned that uh flexibility you know you've, you've been grinding for a very very long time and after a very long wait, uh, some insanely incredible music is here in 2018 with Erase Me. Now, Tim, I, I just got to wonder, okay? Uh, and I know you've been in Under Oath since essentially the very, very beginning. It was like 2001, I want to say. Uh, yep. So getting back together and starting to write for Erase Me. Does that feel nervous at all? I, I know you've been with the for most of these dudes for a very long time, but any of those feelings exist or what did it feel like? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, not nervous more because we were all sharing demos. Right. So I knew what I was getting into. And I, I think we all respective of like who does what and how people think there's, you know, there's always naturally in human and psychology, like human nature and, you know, psychological tendencies you always pick a side, right? So there were sides going in. Yeah. And everyone knew what side everyone was on and everyone knew what songs everyone was bringing. So it wasn't really a blind side for anyone. It was more like 
we know what we're doing. We know what we're getting into. And how the hell are we going to make this work? <laughs> and I think, you know, nervousness for me wasn't, I wonder what Spencer's going to say, or I wonder what Aaron's going to play, or, you know, I wonder what Tim and him being an idiot is going to like play guitar, <laughs> or, like try to like, I wonder if he's going to fuck up a song. I think everyone knew, like, I'm for sure going to fuck up a song. And like certain dudes are going to definitely sing or play stuff that doesn't work as well as like, we had a lot of really good material. It was more just how do we navigate those positions democratically and productively? And I think that was like the biggest fear for all of us, you know, and within a week of being in the studio, all of those fears were gone, you know, with Matt Squire and Eric. Yeah. Taft, like we went in and it was just a very clear cut picture. It's like, dogs no one here is the favorite no one here is better than anyone we're writing songs and the best songs win and i don't care if one person here has zero songs on an album yeah it doesn't matter it's all about the album and that really put us at ease because i think in in the past like with all of our production relationships i think certain dudes felt like other dudes had more of a foothold in decision making than other people and so when we went to make this record we really wanted to make a more neutral record with someone who could see everyone for who they are and figure out a way to like really make all of that work you know I I just can't imagine, you know, there there's six of you. So you and that that's just in the core of the band. Then you got, you know, the outside influencers, you know, like uh people in the studio and whatnot. I mean, you got a lot of ideas flowing around. I don't know how you manage it. That I mean, would you say that was the most challenging part to this process was just managing all the there had to be a shit ton of ideas after all this time. Yeah, there were. I mean, we had 25, 30 demos. Um, which we've never gone in the studio with le- more than nine. Oh, wow. and we've ne- we've actually never gone in the studio with a demo. To be fair, we've always gone on- gone in the studio with. We wrote this. We're gonna record these eight songs, and then we have to figure out how to write the other two to make it a full length. <laughs> um, so we went in with twenty five, thirty ideas. Wow, and that was a new thing, right? So we had this new opportunity and we were building new things and we just said, you know what? Like nobody's songs, the right song until it's the right song. So let's just pay attention to the songs and figure out what works. So we started building, we started building, we started deconstructing, we started reconstructing and, you know, we show up with 25 demos and then, in reality, like three of the songs in the album were written in the studio. So out of everything we showed up with, like only seven projects that we had been slaving over made the record. Right. Right, right. So it's like, so it's a really interesting dynamic. It's a really interesting dynamic to be in a spot where, you know, you're stuck with all of these ideas and out of 20, three 24 27 i don't remember what it was like six or seven of them made it to the light of day yeah 
And, and then it was up to us again to write stuff in the studio. So, yeah, I mean, I think the process was very, very different. It was very unique. Um, but it was also very familiar in the sense of like, oh, we still have work to do. Let's be the creative people we are in the moment, which is what we're really good at and make some, something happen out of nothing. And so that's what we did for a lot of this stuff. Many are saying that Erase Me is Under Oath's best work. What do you say? Ooh, really good question. Um, I think it's our most dynamic work. Um, uh, honestly, like, I think, you know, in the most weird and, like, kind of, I don't mean this to be a pass the buck or, you know, non-checked-in uh, dynamic interview. Um, <laughs> I think this record is the first record that I've ever felt like, I don't know what Under Oath is, yeah. right? So yeah. it's like, you know, we have all this stuff. We have all these ideas. We have all this vibe. Some of it's rock, some of it's like brutal metal, some of it's this, some of it's that. Boom, 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 boom. Nobody knows what this record's going to be. And then you realize like, that's okay. And then also like, we don't know what we are anymore. So, you know, imagine, you know, being in a spot where, you know, you and your 10 you know, best friends or three or four or whatever, you know, you, you're in a fraternity or you're in a brotherhood and then you leave. Everyone does what they do for the next seven, eight years, 10 years for Aaron. And then you all come back and go, so what are you guys? Are you guys still best friends? And you're like, I think we are. I think we all see the same thing, but there's a huge but in the sense of like, there's a lot of dynamics, right? So, oh, yeah. you know, for us, it very much wasn't a, an obvious, like, this is what Under Oath was. This is what Under Oath now is. And we all agree. And we're just going to go and we're going to kill it. And we're going to crush. <laughs> it was very much like a, uh, you know, the opposite, to be fair. It was very much like, you know, I want this. Well, I want this. And what about this? And I'm, I'm listening to this, but you're listening to that boom 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 right so there was a lot of you know what is it and sort of say like this is our best effort what do i think i think that for the first time ever probably i think everyone that wrote and recorded the record feels heard on the record you know and i think that's really important you know there's some songs people are like that's bullshit it's like, well you know what like that's who this guy was the yeah. whole time. And we couldn't, we couldn't figure out a way to showcase who he really was. So when you say this song's bullshit, what you're really saying is I wish this guy wasn't in your band. <laughs> and I don't think that that's really what they mean, but I think based on the information people have going MP3 to MP3, I don't like this. Who's responsible. It's this guy or that guy. Yeah. But in reality, you know, this is the first time that me, Chris, Aaron, and Spencer were all equally heard on a project where in the past it was certain people kind of being subdued or muted or snuffed out and then other people kind of winning all the time. Yeah. And so I think, you know, is this our best record? I would love it to be. I hope it is. 
you know, but at this point, like, we just did the best we can, you know, and when you're younger and that's all you focus on, you know exactly what your band should be. For me right now, I'm 34. I have three kids. I have a lot of other people in my life. I have my wife of 11 years and you know, I don't sit up and figure out what under oath is to me <laughs> down to the nuance and then go, yeah, this is the best us. <laughs> it's more like this is me and us now. And if you like it, great. If you don't, you're totally allowed to tell us to go fuck off and not listen to us ever again. And I can give a shit, <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, and, and it's just one of those things. Right. So it's Dude, like, yeah. And if you've ever loved our band, there's no way you can't love stuff on our record. I will say that the most, like the most, like the, you know, to kind of pl play the plight of like, I don't know what our DNA is. I can't comment on your question is like a little bit of a cop out. If you've <laughs> ever loved any under oath record up until now, you will fucking love a lot of songs on this record. Will you skip some? Maybe because we've grown and you haven't, but, Yes. At the end of the day, you will, any old Under Oath fan will find things on this record to be like, oh my God, that's the shit. If yeah. you don't, then you've grown too, and we've just grown apart, and that's okay too, right? So it's like, I think the one thing that was really interesting with us is like, we really had to understand, like, we've been gone for almost a decade, and everyone that used to listen to us is in different spots. They have kids, they don't, they've been divorced, they're not, they moved to France, they didn't, they moved to Canada, they moved to Mexico, whatever it is that changed their worldview. Like, we can't write songs for those people anymore because we're different and they're even more different than us, if not equally different. So let's just write what we like and hope that we haven't grown too far apart from everything that we are. And in reality, we're not. And I think that was the best part. When I listened back to this Under Oath record, I'm like, it's not a record with the name under oath on the title on a CD. It's an under oath record. It, it still deserves our name. It's still dynamic. It's interesting. It's heavy. It's not, it's experimental. It's not. And all of the things in between are there. It's everything that's ever made an under oath record. Great in the past. And it's here now. And some people may not like that some people are going to love it. And I think that's what you were citing, right? So like some people are like, this is the best thing I've ever heard from you guys. Yeah. Other people are like, fuck you guys. <laughs> fuck, you. fuck this. Fuck Spencer. Fuck Tim. Yep. Fuck everyone. Yep. And you know what? That's okay too. Fuck me and then delete it and never listen to it again. No problem. You know? And if it's the best thing ever, like, it's the, if it's the best thing ever, then I'll see you in the front row in six months and I'll accept an apology then, <laughs> you know? And it's like, and that's it. And if it's not, I'm okay with this record not performing as well as we hoped it would, because it's not about record sales and performance. It's about us as artists doing what we want and really drilling into like who we are. And this is what we are. And if you don't like it, with all due respect, you can get the fuck out. That's all. <laughs> yes, sir. I agree with that 100%. And it's yeah, that attitude, I think, is the reason why uh, everyone has been gravitating towards Erase Me and why it is really uh, just falling into the laps of a very broad uh, 
audience. So again, I've enjoyed it. I have been listening to it nonstop and it just dropped on April the 6th. We have premiere episodes every single Thursday at midnight Eastern on Adobe Radio. Those episodes then drop on every single platform the following Monday for free. And for more music-related content, make sure you're visiting our website, thespinningthoughts.com. We're here with Tim from Under Oath. They just released an insanely amazing album, Erase Me, on April the 6th. We've been talking about that album, and right now we're going to listen to a song from it. So everybody, this is No Frame off Erase Me from Under Oath. Enjoy!
So you just finished listening to No Frame off the latest album, Erase Me, from Under Oath. Uh, Tim, what can you tell me about this track that not many others uh, would know? Give, give me some inside scoop on this one. Yeah, I mean, this song was definitely one of the more unique songs. Um, you know, we we definitely built this in the studio and there wasn't really a plan for it. And Chris had a little bit of a, you know, a vibe on keyboards and we started building it. And then Aaron kind of came up with the drum beat. Um, And, you know, no frame by and large was almost like in a weird, as much as I've talked about like under oath doesn't follow a formula, you know, no frame started developing. We were like, Oh, this is our standard token like vibe track this is the instrumental track this is the (laughs) like yeah yeah. you know you're stoned and then you're sick of hearing vocals and you just get to the track seven and you go on a journey or whatever you want to do and we're like oh this is our like standard you know isis mogwai instrumental track and spencer said well i think i might have some vocal ideas and i vividly remember going dude don't try to sing over everything like this is like this is what we're doing this is the track and him and matt squire our producer are like well yeah i agree let's build it like it's gonna be your like nerd track yeah. and then if there's a better vocal or something worth putting down let's put it down and so i was like yeah hell yeah bet so we start building a track and you know I'm on a bass guitar. I never, I'm on a bass guitar, right? So it's like, <laughs> we're, I'm talking about all these like bass lines and like Radiohead this and like, what about like Nine Inch Nails that? And like, what if we did this? And like, we're just vibing. Um, and at the end of the day, Spencer's like, yo, I have, a, I have an idea. <laughs> Let me just like throw it down. He throws on the vocal and I'm like, dog, <laughs> this shit is dope. <laughs> So it's like he he dropped this verse and I'm like, yo, for real? Like, this is dope. And so we just kept the vocals. We kept going, kept going, kept going. I think I went out for dinner or like had a call, come back. And like the song was never supposed to get heavy, ever. And then like somehow while I was gone for like an hour, <laughs> I come back and Chris and Aaron have put this like sick nine inch nails like drop on it and i'm like dog that is so dope what is that and i'm literally like listening to it and i'm just like dude this is so sick and so all of a sudden like my precious lo-fi indie jam out with no vocals instrumental interlude track (laughs) turned into two verses and then a huge, like almost breakdown, but not breakdown. It's just melt your face vibes, seven synths, no guitar. It's all just like electronic destruction and a huge drum beat. I'm like, dude, this is amazing. And now we're like building it live, right? So all of the, the parts that you hear on the record are actually sampled to different pads. I'm playing stuff, Spee's playing stuff, Chris is playing stuff. I don't even play guitar the entire song. <laughs> we just played it live in Chicago. I'm like, I'm the guitar player, and I don't even put on a guitar for this song. 
this is my favorite song of all time. Right? So what do you it's do like, on stage for this song then? Are you like hitting I play, synth? Or- yeah, I play an I play an eight pad synth and I trigger the intro bass reverse. I play keys. Dude, nice. Uh, a key sample and then I play all of the like <laughs> I play all of that on pads. It's all synth. Dude, fuck, you don't even need guitar, the synth. So just like, just get a microphone and do what you just did. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So it's like, so I'm just sitting there with a pad and I'm like, dude, Aaron's playing, Spee's playing, Spee plays guitar on the song. I don't. And it's like <laughs> the first time ever in Under Earth history where I don't play guitar at all. And Spencer plays more guitar than I do on the song live. So it's like, it's just such a rad kind of juxtaposition. And it's such a rad song. And it's like, when people are like, fuck under oath, fuck them, they lost their ingenuity, they fuck the fuck, the, uh, fuck, 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 <laughs> they're fucking pussies. I'm like, you're just not listening. And if you come to this, if you come to the show, we'll melt your face with this new shit. And, and at the end of the day, if you, if you can literally listen to our record front to back 10 times and tell me it's bullshit and then come to a show and tell me it's bullshit still, then you're right. It's bullshit for you. But until then, <laughs> Like you have no right to talk because you don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, I, you're I feel dealing like... with quantum physics and you're like second grade science dog. You, there's some you bands, I mean? there's some bands where honestly you can, uh, or one can, you know, kind of coin it all up in a, in a sentence or two. There's really no way to describe erase me. You just got to listen to it because of songs like this that we just listened to no frame uh i mean it is so unique and it just adds to that diversity of erase me we have premiere episodes every single thursday at midnight eastern on adobe radio those episodes then drop on every platform the following monday make sure you're subscribed and for more music related content visit our website thespinningthoughts.com uh now tim transitioning into uh now you're, you're on this album cycle. It's going to be taking you places all over the place, right? So the band's getting ready to hit the road for what looks like sure. two massive runs. This is for the No Fix Tour uh, this spring and early summer. One's in North America. The second is in Europe and the UK. The North American run starts April the 20th in Las Vegas and goes through May the 26th in Oklahoma. What are you looking forward to most? Again, I I, I asked an, a loaded question at the beginning. Here's another one, but you, you've been touring. You've been in this band for so long. What gets you excited? Um, It's a really good question. I feel like, you know, for us, it's like, you know, going out after having six, seven albums out, you know you're going to play a ton of songs that you've played for a ton of years already. Right. We're not going to go out and play all the new songs and it's going to be fresh for us and totally a bummer for everyone else. Right. So we're going to integrate a lot of new songs. I think we're playing almost half the record on the no fix tour. Yeah. Um, But what's different is we're just going to be in a different space. We're creating a new space because under has always been, multimedia right so it's like there's audio there's visual and there's like you know video which is also visual but like we're a live band and then we also have projected imagery behind us and we're really putting a lot of effort into 
the production of the tour. And I think it's going to be something that no one's really seen from us. Have you seen it before? Maybe. Uh, have you seen, you know, I'm not, I'm, because I, I feel like I hear a lot of bands going, for our next tour is something that no one's ever seen. And I'm like, yeah. bullshit. <laughs> you pulled that from like Kesha's last like Super Bowl concert or whatever, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, in reality, like, we're doing something that's so unique for what we are in our space and we're making it really special and it's going to be awesome. And it's more production we've ever had. It's we're playing, you know, almost a third of the set. It's all brand new songs. Like there's so much new, fresh vibes to, to, to come to see that it's not like, Oh, I saw them play in regards to myself or dangerous business, like 10 times. Why do I have to go see them again? It's like the No Fix tour is literally going to be the most production and the, you know, what we hope is the best performance we've ever put on. And then, you know, and again, I may be shooting myself in the foot, <laughs> but we're going to do an A Market tour in the fall. Ooh. And in November, December, we're hitting all the spots LA. Detroit, New York, Tampa, everything. Because we're we're really not really we're not really doing a lot of other markets on this tour. It's yeah. kind of a subdued. People are like, "Yo, why the fuck are you coming to this?" <laughs> like, everyone's always so like, mad. Yeah, and we and we literally are just telling everyone, like, "Yo, we're not, like, do you, do you literally think we forgot about?" <laughs> Detroit? Yeah, yeah. You think we forgot about New York? No, we have a plan. Like, chill out. Give us four months, and you're going to know, and then we'll see you in the fall. Simple. So it's like, it's it's kind of one of those things where, like, you know, this tour is going to be, like, the incubator, and it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be better than anything we've ever done. We're going to take the best parts of this tour, add more parts, and really fine-tune it, and then by the fall, it's just going to be bananas and that's our goal that's our goal you can come to a show and tell me if i'm wrong but that's my goal and if i have anything to do with it i'm gonna be right fact well you know the very first thing i was going to say to you whenever we started talking i was gonna i was gonna say you know fuck you for not coming to pittsburgh on this uh next tour but i you know i held it back for you you know i didn't want to start our conversation off that way well, there you go. Yeah. And, 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 you know, at the end of the day, it's like, we're going to be doing another 45 cities in the U.S. by right. the end of the year. So, like, everyone, calm yourself. Exactly. And if you're listening, know that we're going to see each other face-to-face -face very soon. And if you live in Waco, Texas, I'm sorry, but we're never coming there. So drive somewhere. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Dude, I hear you. And that's that's the moral of the story here. I like to say this a lot uh, on the show. Uh, so, like, for example, uh, you're not hitting up Pittsburgh, right? But you're going to be in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. It's like a three-hour drive, maybe four-hour drive. You know what? Uh, people, if you can make a drive like that, not only are you going to see one of your favorite bands, uh, but you get to experience other people and just kind of broaden your horizons. So I encourage you to hit the road and see your favorite uh, band, right, Tim? Oh, absolutely. And I would say, I, I, like you said, you pulled a punch. 
I don't want to pull any punches. We're not coming to Pittsburgh in the fall. So <laughs> oh, damn you better it. get to Bethlehem if you're in Pennsylvania. Well, you know what? I appreciate that heads up. That's even more uh, even more fire under my butt to get out this year. Um, <laughs> so then you're also, you know, on this no fix tour, we're talking about the North American run. You're going to be doing this over in Europe and the UK. It's going to be in June, like the 15th through the 30th. And then you're also going back to the UK toward the end of August for the Reading and Leeds Music Festivals. Overall, I mean, how awesome is it to be a band that's internationally touring to this extent? I mean, man, I mean, we played Reading and Leeds in 2005 and we've never been back since. And now we're headlining one of their side stages. So to go from never hearing from them for a decade to going, oh, shoot, we see what's going on. Can you headline a stage at our festival is amazing. I mean, we're literally flying out just for that show and yeah. flying home. Yeah, that's not you're there for two days, it seems, I think, then, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll be gone for 96 hours max just for one show. And it's amazing. You know, it's like the support we've gotten across the globe has been so amazing and, you know, not to go on like elevator speech, Tim, trying to sell you on the new one or wrote or whatever the hell. But in reality, like we're doing stuff that we've never been able to do. I mean, we've never been on the radio and our new label is like, oh, we think you can have a shot at radio with some of these songs. We're like, yeah, right. <laughs> and, and then we debuted it in the top 40 two weeks ago and like the ad dates today. So like radio stations haven't even been prompted to start playing us. We started charting top 40 only on pre-ads based on passion. And I'm like, wait, we have a top 40 active rock single. They're like, oh yeah. <laughs> and you'll be in the thirties, like in five days because no one's even playing it yet. And I'm just sitting here going, this is not my life. This is like, not this does not exist. Like this, it, it literally doesn't exist to me. And it, it's, like everything is a gift. And I think that's the one biggest thing that the one biggest, yeah, serious grammar issues. The <laughs> biggest thing that we're all dealing with right now is like operating out of like ambition, but like constantly regressing to a, a spot of gratitude. Just going, dude, we joined, I, I joined this band when I was 17. Next month, I turn 35. Oh, I've been my. in Under Oath more than I have not been in Under Oath in my life. And wow. the fact that, like, we're getting radio now, like, the highest point of Under Oath's radio career will be on my 35th birthday. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm 35. And if you someone told me, yo, 17-year-old Tim, you're going to be on the radio when you're 35 in the same band, I'd be like, bullshit. <laughs> not a chance. So it's like the fact that like so much stuff is happening. We're, we're headlining Reading and Leeds at a stage. We're closing a stage. Like we're doing all this stuff. We have, you know, some of the best touring or touring with some of the best bands we've ever toured with. Like, you know, it's just, you have no choice but to be grateful, you know? And by, by operating at a pure gratitude allows you the chance to say like, if people don't like it, then fuck, fuck off. Like, it's fine because I don't want anything more than what I have. And what I have is more than enough. And I don't even deserve what we have. So it's like, this is all a gift. 
and we're going to like crush it because at the end of the day, like everything we've done has, I guess, in some people's heads come to this point. But for us, it's like, we just did what we want to do. And now we're still here. And the difference is being 35 versus 17, you have a full awareness on how many bands have started and stopped, hit success and failed, had a good two years, ruined their lives, boom, 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 boom. And we're still here. So by that like logical conclusion, you have no choice but to just merely be grateful. And everything else after that is fine. You know, I don't care. Like, I don't want to sell a million records. I mean, I, I, I do, but that's not a goal that controls my happiness. Right. This right. record does 50,000 or 50 million. I can't believe I'm still putting out records with my friends at 35 years old. And they're really good. Yeah. And I believe in them. And I can give a shit what anyone else thinks. Like, to have that liberty as an adult is insane. And, like, that's the most grateful I am is just to look at the actual statistics and the structure of my life and go, everything I have is a gift and that's it. Anything that happens after we chart, we have a top 10 single, we have a this, that single, we don't, we miss, we failed, we tried to get on Jimmy Fallon, we didn't. Whatever the thing (laughs) is that we're fighting for, right? Like we all have goals, yeah. but in reality, it's like if none of – Anything that we're trying to do happens. This is still like the best year of our lives. This is amazing. Dude, I love the attitude. I dig the vibes and I really appreciate you giving such a personal account on everything uh, throughout this episode. Uh, It's been really great. And I feel like I could just, you know, talk to you for a very long time. But uh, before we wrap up this amazing conversation, I do want to know a little bit more about like, So I have a contributor who writes for me here at Spinning Thoughts. His name is Dan Boyer. And, you know, I was telling him that I I was talking to you uh, here today. I hate that guy. Do you know him? No, I'm joking. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I didn't mean to do your Elliot. No, it's it's okay. Um, I hate Dan, too. Uh, No, I don't. But uh, so Dan was telling me that, hey, have a great time. You know, he loves Under Oath. And he's like, talk to Tim about his uh, coffee brand that he's – I guess brewing up here uh, for a lack of a better pun. So what's going on with this? So you have a brand of coffee or talk to me about this. Yeah. So that's a really interesting conversation. Um, So have you heard of that band, Amberlynn, the rock band, Nate, the drummer, who's been one of my best friends for like a decade. He and I accidentally married sisters. Yes. <laughs> um, so Nate's now not only my label mate and my touring buddy, but he's my brother-in-law. And so he said like, let's complicate it and become business partners. Um, so Nate and I started a coffee company called King state um, in 2013 And we started roasting our own coffee. We started kind of building our own culture in Tampa because, you know, when you're touring, you're always going to other cities and you're sitting in bars and dope like coffee shops going, why doesn't my city have this? Yeah. And so we started talking and it's like, well, why doesn't our city have this? And it's because no one's done it yet. So we were just like, well, then let's just do it. Like we know exactly what the best spots in London and Brooklyn and everything else are like, let's just make something dope. 
so we started roasting and we actually just closed on an old gas station in Tampa Heights in Florida. And where we actually just got approved funny story. We were in LA for a release week. We had Chicago to do a radio show at subterranean, uh, with, which was also like a secret show. And I had to take a red eye on Wednesday night because Thursday was a travel day. And I went to court on Thursday of literally this week, like four days ago to have a hearing on wet zoning, our new building. And we got approved via city council. So King state's bar is going to start opening, um, in August. So we're going to have coffee in the morning, beer, wine, food all day. We're going to be open morning till late night. Dude, that's awesome. uh, yeah, myself and Nate from in Berlin own a bar, and it's going to be open this year. So by the time we play Not Your City, because we're not coming there, uh, our bar will be open, and uh, you can come to Tampa and look up King State, which is called King State Coffee, and uh, you can come by our spot and grab a coffee or grab a beer or grab both and grab lunch and be done with it. Dude, you know what? That sounds honestly like an amazing adventure and endeavor that you're taking on. Uh, I'm a big fan of coffee. I'm curious, uh, how do you prefer yours? I mean, are you would you are you like a coffee snob? Like, is there a pref- like a right way to drink coffee? Um, if I'm if you're asking if I'm a coffee snob, I'd say yes. <laughs> um, what's the right way to drink coffee? However you want. Okay. The only bad cup is one you don't like. That's my position, there you right? Go. So unlike under oath where my vibe is like, this is what I fuck with. And if you don't, you can kick rocks um, <laughs> in coffee. It's the opposite. You're in customer service and you roast a product. And if someone wants sweetener or milk or vice versa, and they want to cut it whatever way they want, I think it's really disingenuous and disrespectful to tell someone they're not allowed to have your product based on the fact that they won't consume it the way you want it, want it to be consumed. Yeah. So as far as coffee goes, I mean, Starbucks ruined everyone. Everyone <laughs> wants frappuccinos and cinnamon dolce lattes or whatever the hell. So it's like, you know, I drink my coffee black. I like it extracted properly. I can tell when it's not. So in that I'm a snob, but in consumer world, it's like, yo, you shouldn't be drinking Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. So what can I help you do to come to our side? And if that means I'm going to give you a cup of really, really fantastic black coffee that you've never had and you still want to put two sugars in it, by all means do it. And I'm not going to degrade you or laugh at you or make fun of you ever. It's all about getting people off grocery store shit and really getting people into coffee the same way People are into wine. Every wine's different. There's a lot of people that drink yellowtail, but that stuff's garbage. (laughs) And, you know, what a lot of really good wineries have done is they've priced fantastic wines in the same plus, minus, well, really plus, because yellowtail is the cheapest, plus $5. And when you go from $8 for a yellowtail bottle to $13 or $14 for a Josh or an Alamos mailback, like your mind is blown. And that's what King state's done. Right. So it's like, we're in a spot where we have 
figured out what we want our product to be and we're never going to roast something that isn't what we want to roast. But if you want to consume it differently, that's totally fine. And at the end of the day, I guess now we circle back to Under Oath and Amberlynn Ethos. If you really don't like it, even with all the dressing that you put on it, <laughs> then you could just never come back and we're fine with that. So it's like, you know, there is a bit of elitism in the sense of like, we do what we want. If you don't buy in, we don't need you. But in reality, like, and I think the same goes with Under Oath. Like, we never want to make someone feel like they're not good enough or cool enough or smart enough or dumb enough to be quote unquote in. I think the reality is you just have to get to a spot where with every new product, there's going to be someone that's angry and they're a squeaky wheel. And if they don't want to jump on the bus, the bus has to keep going. And so for King State, we have our brand, we have our vibe, we have our wave. And if you want to surf the wave, no problem. We would love to have you. And we hope that you do. If you don't, all good. Under oath, we started our new wave. You want to jump on? All good. If you don't, no hard feelings, but we can give a shit. <laughs> like, we're going to go do our things, and we're going to, like, King State and Under Oath, do what they do. And if you want to jump in, please come on. If you need more information because you're skeptical, talk to someone. If you're not willing to give it that, then just delete it and move on and it's as if you you and i were never connected in the universe that's yep. totally fine yep you know i agree and that's never the goal but being able to let go of people like that is only the only thing that allows you to create what you need to create without feeling like you have all these barriers in front of you dude you're so right like honestly the the more i grow and learn and just you know develop as a human being i think that like honestly uh, what you're saying about th this kind of mentality of, you know, embrace those who embrace you and, you know, for those who, who don't, great, have a conversation about it, but if you can't have one, you know, that makes sense, then just forget it, move on, you know, and, and find find people who support you and support what you do. And, uh, dude, absolutely, I love that attitude and I love what the band's doing. Under Oath uh, just dropped Erase Me, uh, the latest... Uh, beautiful album and uh, I'm just a big fan of it uh, before we wrap up this amazing conversation is there anything else you'd like to add or say to your fans honestly like I just really respect the support I feel like a lot of people online based on the first two singles were stoked and then not stoked and it, it, it threw everyone for a loop and I feel like in a cool way like the fans and people that follow us got thrown for the same loop that we got thrown in the studio, but they didn't have the context to understand there was something bigger at play. And, you know, we've gotten a lot of feedback on social media going, dude, I'm so sorry. I was literally motherfucking you guys on Instagram when I heard your second single. And now that I hear the album, it totally makes sense. <laughs> and beyond that, um, you know, something that was really interesting to me is, you know, our documentary, Get Over It. And Get Over It was shot by our friend Dan Newman, who's like one of the best directors yeah. and DPs of all time. And he shot a movie about the making of the record. And what I've noticed is when people watch the making of the record, even if they love the album, they're like, oh my God, 
like now I have to love this album. Even if I hated it, I would still love it because I see how much you guys fought and warred and thought through every single thing. Or a lot of people hear like a structured song and it's like, oh, they just phoned it in. It's bullshit. They, they don't care anymore. In reality, there's a whole other story. So I would say, if I have to say something to our quote unquote fans, one, thank you. Two, if you want more context to why the record sounds the way it does, go look up, get over it, the making of the record and just watch it. It's not for sale. This isn't like a sales pitch. You don't have to buy shit. And if you do, then fuck it and go torrent it because it's going to be somewhere. I just want you to watch it. Right. So it's like, just watch it and then look me in the eye and be like, you guys didn't make the record right. And you won't be able to. It might not be for you, but you're going to at least respect us as artists by the end of it. And I think that's really cool. And I think what we really landed on is an artistic yet accessible record. And I never thought those two words could be said in the same sentence in my head, you know, and, and, and we did it and people are responding properly and positive, positively, not properly. Um, they're responding positively as well as honestly, just, you know, and we have a lot of hate and it's all good. And if you don't like it, it's totally fine. We'll see you at the shows. If it's so bad that you can't even listen to us ever again, no problem. But at the end of the day, like just, you got to give it some chance, you know? And I think a lot of people already got hooked. So I'm really stoked. I'm really grateful. And again, this is all a gift. I don't care who listens to what. That's it. There we go. Sorry, that's a really bad tagline. No, that's it. Hey, the mentality I agree with. And, you know, like you said, uh, the band has grown. It's been a lot of years. It's been eight years since the last release of music. Erase Me represents really some new beginnings, it looks like. And I'm stoked to see where this takes the band. Tim, thank you so much for being here for episode 131. I got to talk to you for a second off the air, so don't hang up. Uh, but thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Dude, thanks for having me. And we're stoked to see you guys, uh, not where you are, but somewhere this year. I'll talk to you soon. Once again, I want to thank Tim from Under Oath for being with me here for episode 131 of Spinning Thoughts. What an honor to have Tim on the show. I've been a big, big fan of Under Oath uh, really since the early 2000s. And what just what an experience to have this kind of candid, honest conversation. Under Oath's latest album, Erase Me, just dropped on April the 6th. And it really, really is phenomenal. Like Tim said throughout this conversation, if you were a fan of Under Oath in the early days, if you are a fan of Under Oath more recent, there's going to be something for everyone on this album. I cannot encourage you uh, more to go out and get your hands on Erase Me. Make sure you keep your eyes open for Under Oath on tour this uh, spring and early summer and as Tim alluded, uh, more dates are coming later in 2018. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at Spin Thoughts. We're on Facebook, SoundCloud, Instagram, Snapchat. You know where to find us, and we like to follow back, so give us some love, and we'll give it right on back to you. You can subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and so many other places. It's all free. Please subscribe. It helps out the show. 
you can check out our website, thespinningthoughts.com. We're really beefing things up over there. Our contributors are working very, very hard. Thespinningthoughts.com. And of course, every single Thursday at midnight Eastern, we have premiere episodes on Adobe Radio. Those episodes then drop everywhere the following Monday. Episode 131, it is in the books. We had Tim from Under Oath. This show, this whole experience, this music community just keeps getting better and better. I cannot wait to do it again in episode 132. Until next time, everybody, make sure you share music, spread love, 